All right, everybody, welcome into Concrete Jungle, New York baseball podcast coming to you on a Friday, special Friday edition. As we mentioned, next this week, next week will be uh, the case for that. Coming to you guys live from the third floor of North Park Building, Sun Falls, New York, PringleX1.com. Paul Russo, that's me. To my right, Kyle Evans. Across from us, man behind the buttons and stuff, Nate Sharman, boys. How we doing? Happy Friday. Friday. Doing pretty good, Paul. How are you? Good, good. Nate? Happy Friday is right, Kyle. A um, little bit different coming to you guys on a Friday, but Oh, that's been nice. a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's usually a Thursday, but uh, some things have come up. Yeah, Thursday, Friday, what's the difference, right? Things came up, but whatever. How was Bill's camp? Pretty good. Good. Um, I just can't believe the amount of people that are going, but, I mean, can you blame them? This team's going to go win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love watching the videos uh, they put out of Josh Allen just flicking the wrist 45 yards into a into a barrel into a bucket. I mean, well, Bills Mafia is already slowly tearing into the Steelers Nation. I decide. Meanwhile, Paul has to do with Carson Wentz, so could be worse. <laughs> Trust me, it could be worse. It can always be worse, Paul. Could be could be having to deal with I don't know Kyle Orton running your offense for about six weeks. Anyway, a lot to get to. That's a different um, discussion for a different podcast, Paul. Spot on. Um, yeah, a lot to get to. Obviously, Yankees and Mets have been playing this week, obviously, right? Trade deadline's come and gone. We have, obviously, discussing the Yankees and Mets trades and also the big mega deal that happened with Juan Soto a little bit. Uh, before we jump into that, and obviously the minor league stuff, do want to bring up uh, the, the incredible loss we had in the baseball community this past week. Uh, Vince Scully passing away at the age of 94 on Tuesday. Uh transcended eras um throughout generations uh pretty much the voice of not only dodger baseball but baseball in general uh called obviously hank aaron's uh record-breaking then record-breaking home run 715 um 1988 world series 86 world series uh, i go through the timeline of, of key baseball events vince scully uh played a part in it always with um just great class, great, great cadence of the game. Something to uh, certainly, at least for us, obviously, because we, you know, uh, you know, for us broadcasting ourselves a little bit, you know, he's one of the beyond voices and, and people to kind of look at for what you do. And just a, an incredible loss, 94, part of Dodger baseball and baseball for 67 years. Yeah, um, obviously I didn't uh, listen to him or watch him uh, daily, but when I did, he was definitely one of the, one of my favorites to listen to. Um, it's sad to see. It was kind of late breaking news the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of shocked day as well. It. Yeah, yeah. kind of capped off deadline day with some terrible news. Yeah, but yeah, rest in peace to a legend. Um, here's a little trivia fact. We'll, we'll do a quick second here to see if you guys can get it. Vince Scully's first ever game that he broadcast professionally. Do you know? Are you looking for the year? Are you looking for the teams? Uh, just if you know anything about it, I'd give you a, a, I'd, I'd give you a brownie point. I do not. Nothing? Kyle? I got nothing. Nothing. I All just right. know it was obviously a long you're, time ago. You're right. Well, it was a sporting event at Fenway Park in November of 1949 as the Maryland Terrapins visited the Boston University, I believe Terriers they are, for college football, the Terrapins won 14 to 13. It was the only game in his professional career that Vince Scully did that was not baseball. Oh wow! And it was his first professional game, like I said, broadcast even. So how about that? It's impressive. Now he did do football. He did do basketball. I think he did some hockey in addition to his baseball stuff when he was a, a student at Fordham. But professionally speaking, his only non-baseball game was his first game. So. A good fact by you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's a blessing and a curse that I have. So let's jump on into our baseball uh, present day talk a little bit here. Obviously, there's no good way to transition away from that. But uh, let's talk about the Yankees first and their game recaps. Here's how we'll do this. Recap the games of the week. 
go into the deadline for each team and then uh, talk uh, about the games ahead for the weekend. That's how we'll do the structure of it today. We'll zoom through some stuff here. Obviously, a lot to get into in a short amount of time. Monday, Yankees 7, Seattle Mariners 2. End up being the only win of the series for the Yankees. We'll obviously touch on that a little bit more here in a couple minutes. Diego Herman picked up the win, 1-1, one one, uh, 6-3-9 ERA now on the year. Marco Gonzalez lost for the Mariners, 6-11, a 3-9-5 ERA for him. Your top performer, Soji Trevino, 2-4, uh, two, two solo blasts for him. Aaron Judge, 2-4, home run, a double, two RBIs, two runs scored. DJ LeMahieu, 3-5, a walk, and two runs scored. Uh, going into to what was then deadline day, uh, really positive stuff for the Yankees, uh, especially, um, you know, mentioned DJ LeMahieu's name here a couple different times over the course now the past couple weeks. Good to see him back going. Obviously, Aaron Judge staying hot, and Trevino uh, not only went deep, went deep twice, first uh, couple home runs in about a month, give or take. Yeah, my quick takeaway is Domingo Herman didn't suck, so that was <laughs> nice to see. He had his, he did have his moments in that game. Um, that's something I do want to discuss. Uh, obviously, when we get to the, the trades that happen, though. Yeah. So, um, Tuesday, deadline day, an 8-6 to six Yankee loss. Uh, this was uh, definitely, in my mind, um, and I'd be intrigued to hear your thoughts more on this, was, was on the bullpen, uh, what happened with this game. Uh, more than anything else, Penn Murphy picked up the win uh, for the Mariners on the bullpen, 2-0, a 2-3-5 ERA for him. Lucas Ludke picked up the loss, 3-4 and four now, a 2-8-2 ERA. Uh, Andres Munoz picked up the save a second, not Mariners, obvious closer uh, there. Josh Johnson, two for three, home run, a double walk, three RBIs, and two runs scored. Again, Jose Trevino have himself a couple days there, two for four, home run, double, two RBIs, and run. And Anthony Rizzo, that's Italian, baby, two for three, a home run, two walks, an RBI, and two runs scored. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought the Yankees played pretty good overall that game. Obviously, kind of it, it did go back and forth admittedly, kind of off the, out of the gate a little bit. That being said, uh, I thought when push came to shove, I, I just the bullpen did not perform when they needed them to. Yeah, and piss-poor management by Aaron Boone right. to put Lucas Litke out there for a second inning. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to steal outs here when you had those two fresh relievers in the bullpen, the new guys, Lou Trevino and uh, Scott Efres? Yeah. Uh, yeah, left a bit of a sour taste in the mouth, especially heading into then Wednesday, uh, which ended up being a 7-3 loss. Luis Castillo, uh, one of the arms the Yankees tried to go after, but ended up uh, getting traded to Seattle from Cincinnati. Picked up his first win for the teal and white squad, four or five and four now. Uh, picked up his fifth win on the year, two nine five area. Garrett Cole, uh, nine and four, three five six area for him. Kyle Higashiaka went two for three. A home run, a double, two RBIs, and a run scored. Isaiah Kiner Falefa, two for three, an RBI on a run. And then Matt Carpenter, one for three, a double, and a walk. Um, just at certain points, the offense is going to get going, but really, just Garrett Cole was, was just not on. That's baseball sometimes. I'm not going to see her. I think, I think a lot, there, there's a, there was an unnecessary, I think, overreaction. I think a lot of it got played actually into only because of, I saw it on TikTok anyway. I don't know if you, where you guys might have seen the one video of the guy with. Uh, you know, he hasn't had heart or high blood pressure for the first time in a year or something, but he did because uh, Garrett Cole didn't feel the ground ball or something, and that apparently was the portal to, to the Yankee loss. I don't know if you guys saw that video, but it was quintessential New York. Uh, anyway, um, that was Wednesday's game to me was just kind of like one of those baseball games where that, that happens. You know, that's baseball Susan type stuff with Garrett Cole. Yeah, I I do agree with that, but at the same time, the guy that you're paying that much money for to be your ace gives up six runs in the first inning to a Seattle team. If you actually look the last couple weeks, has been struggling offensively. It's just not okay to do. You don't just, uh, in the series finale, just come out uh, like that and have all your stuff get hit hard. Like, every, every one of his pitches was getting hit hard. It wasn't just one pitch, and it was just alarming to see. But then he settles in and gets through, I think it was five or six. And so it was a nice way to bounce back, but that's not how you start the game, and especially when you're an ace. Yeah. All right, let's uh, touch on some news uh, and notes outside the trade deadline stuff. Not a ton really overall to report here from the Yankees, uh, but some interesting stuff actually kind of got laid out here. Uh, right-hand pitchers Miguel Castro and Luis Severino both transferred to the 60-day IL. 
Uh, Castro, I, I completely understand. He still hasn't done any throwing work yet. Um, still in shutdown mode. Uh, the Severino one is interesting. Uh, he, he had begun a throwing program. Um, signs indicated to him coming back, obviously probably outside the the 15-day window, uh, but certainly not the 60-day window. Um, and justifiably, um, he's upset in my mind. I, I don't I don't know exactly. I, I don't think any of us probably really know what's going on behind the scenes in that realm. Um, I, I never pitched. I don't, I don't, I can't speak to anything in that mechanic sense health wise. Um, Kyle, you're probably the one here that might be able to, but even then I, I, I just, I, I don't know. To me, if he was starting that throwing program, there had to have been at least some sort of signs of positive progress and him coming back sooner than later at this point. Here's my only idea, and I do think it makes sense. I think that they don't want him – like, he's already thrown a lot of innings this year. Mm. I mean, he's been injured so much over the last three years. I think, like, even though he would be ready, they're kind of taking it very slow. They would much rather have him in an October game than just bringing him back now. Right. So I think they're trying to cut his innings, just like Nestor Cortez um, – he hasn't thrown this many innings ever in his career. That's why I know we're going to talk about it, but the Jordan Montgomery news was just shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he might Jordan Montgomery might not be helping you in the postseason, but he's going to help you like continue to get there, right? And give guys rest. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of guys and pitchers with arms and rest, Clark Schmidt was optioned back to AAA Scranton Wilkesbury. Right pitcher Carlos Espinal was selected from AAA Scranton Wilkesbury and has since been optioned back. And then uh, Giancarlo Stanton performed top hand swing work, top arm swing work. Um, Nate, you brought up a good point off air, you know, a little bit. Um, you know, what, what could that possibly mean a little bit? Um, really, like I mentioned to you, and I'll, I'll say here in case anybody's really wondering, right, that, that your top arm with your swing, whether right or left, really is kind of what controls your swing. Um, in essence, um, it's not your power side. Your power hand will always be your bottom hand in your swing. Um, that's why usually with switch hitters, whichever your non-dominant side is, is where you have your most power from because it's a little bit more uncontrolled in nature and, and stuff like that. Um, but that's a positive sign for, for Stan, obviously. Um, you know, he's trying to get a little bit of work back in. I know Boone says uh, he probably expects him back within the next, at least at the time it was seven to ten days at least. So uh, positive news on that front. All right, let's uh, look at the Yankees trades. Uh, this was probably the most active, at least in terms. I don't know necessarily if big names is the exact right term, but Cashman certainly went big fish hunting in essence. I don't, like I said, I don't know if I'd go like whale hunting or anything like that, but but we got some names here. Uh, the first trade that uh, went down with the Yankees was uh, actually uh, the Scott Efros trade with the Cubs, right-hander reliever. Uh, in exchange, Yankees sent prospect uh, right-hand pitcher Hayden Westniski to Chicago. Um, Efros, a bit of a new guy on the scene, if you will. Uh, he is, I believe, technically in his age 27 season, second year. He's got a lot of control left uh, underneath him. Really good trade to, to help fortify the Yankee bullpen moving forward. Yeah, that's my biggest takeaway from the trade when I kind of looked up the information on him I love that he's under control through 2028 um his stats are pretty good he's still considered a rookie because he didn't play that much I guess last year so yeah and I don't know I just thought it was a really good deal by him kind of like under the radar like obviously not a lot of people have heard about him no but in fact he was definitely not the name in 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 circles you looked at with the Cubs obviously uh, David Robertson he got traded he was sent to Philly obviously Michael Givens the name that I brought up uh, that I thought the Mets would go after, and they, and they did. Obviously, we'll touch on that when we get to them. But uh, he was – I don't even know if he was third in line in the trade rumors for the Cubs pitching-wise. Yeah, and this guy's stuff is just nasty. I saw it on Pitch Ninja on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Just c- crazy pitches, and he's kind of like a side armor a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he um, – I wouldn't say it's quite Adovino-esque. It's kind of um, somewhere in between a little bit, between like Adovino and – Kind of like Jorge Lopez now with the Twins in a way. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff there. And obviously, uh, giving up Wes Niski, uh, higher-end prospect. Um, you have to when, when you have the team control like that with, with Efrost now. That was probably going to be a given. Yeah, I thought it was just a really good deal. They didn't give up way too much for him, but 
just a great way to start the deadline off for yeah. Brian Cashman. Uh, and then shortly there, well, maybe not shortly thereafter, I guess it would have been a few hours, technically on Monday night, uh, right-hand pitcher, uh, starter in this case, Frankie Montas, and reliever Lou Trevino were acquired from the Oakland Athletics in exchange for left-handed pitchers Ken Waldachuk and J.P. Sears, right-hand pitcher Luis Medina, and the second baseman Cooper Bowman. Um, in this move, uh, the Yankees did call up Tim LaCastro to fill the roster spot at the big league level. Uh, just the way everything kind of shook out was weird how the 40-man kind of ended up being after this trade in a way. Anyway, um, it, we got we got the arm, the pitching arm we wanted, starting-wise with Montas. He will be joining the club in, in, in St. Louis on Sunday. Obviously, we'll touch more on that with that. Then he's, um, I believe he lost his brother-in-law, unfortunately, and he's on the briefing list, if I read that right. Um, he's a really great young arm. Um, Stat-wise this year, we'll, we'll obviously touch on this more when we get to it, right? It's a bit deceptive, 4-9, and nine, but the ERA of 3-1-8 uh, pretty much tells you all you need to know. Oakland just not helping their starting pitching at all. Um, I, I know I've mentioned that this guy's name under a ton in the past couple of weeks, and he didn't end up getting traded in Paul Blackburn, but also Cole Irvin's a guy that's more or less trapped out there that you just look at the record and like uh, – not great. Look at the ERA. It tells a different story uh, there. Uh, but Montas was a guy that the Yankees have, I feel like, have targeted now for almost two years trying to get. Yeah, and that was the biggest thing at the deadline. They needed to go out and get a starter, and they did. But then, obviously, as you're going to mention soon, they traded one. So it's kind of like, you know, like, what are we doing here? Um, but overall, I like the move. Obviously, you had to pay a little bit of a price to get him. Ken Waldachuk losing him is big. I mean, that guy was gonna. I think was gonna be really, really good. But that being said, the Yankees only gave up. I believe was two top fifteen prospects. Period through this trade deadline. That's really good to me, anyway. In that sense, that being Waldachuk and and Wesnisky, um, JP Sears, I think was nineteenth at the time in the Yankee pipeline. Yeah, people are going nuts over that real quick. What do you think about it? Losing J.P. Sears isn't a big deal to me. I wasn't a fan of it. I think it was maybe more just the cult following I have with him. Just Especially for what you're getting. He's come up and, and done a really good job. But, well, that's that's the part of it that you can you, you have to swallow. Uh, I, Nate, you have uh, Lou Trevino's baseball reference page up. Trevino's a bit of a flyer in this deal to me, um, has had really great bright moments. Um, at the same time, his valleys have been really deep, um, has had situations this past year where uh, this past season so far that uh, <laughs> it's funny because Nate, me and you were discussing a little bit of this actually uh, inadvertently off air a little bit before even Kyle showed up a little bit about live betting and stuff like that. This was a guy that me and a couple buddies would, our, our eyes would light up whenever we saw Luterino would be brought into the game at some points this year, uh, knowing to hammer the other way. But um, like I said, his, his peaks have been really good. Valleys have been really deep. Um, like I said, I feel like this is probably a little bit more of a flyer, but it's a big league arm. Um, won't be a depth piece. So he'll probably be up at the big leagues the whole time that he's with New York. Yeah, and he's had some good seasons. And I think, one of the reasons kind of why they just made a trade and wanted to acquire him in the package was because it's Matt Blake. Matt Blake helps a lot of pitchers out. Like, he's literally turned a lot of guys' uh, careers around. Which yeah. I don't know what he does special, but he does something, and hopefully that's the same yeah. case with him. So the last uh, – well, I, I not last trade. Uh, we'll skip over the one part I have in the line note-wise to get to the other one. Alfie Joey Gallo traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers – Shame for right-hand pitcher Clayton Beater. Beater is a double-A player with the Dodgers. He has reported to Somerset where the Yankees will be. Uh, Beater, plus-plus arm. Uh, I don't think he'll be a starter by the time he gets to the big leagues, but certainly a big arm to probably have in the bullpen. Um, probably a la the Clark Schmidt, Michael King route potentially, uh, should he still remain in the Yankee system, obviously, until that point. But uh, that part remains to be seen. Uh, other than that, Joey Gallo, um, Look, I know he didn't do great, wasn't that great for the Yankees. That being said, he's an all-around good dude. I mean, he's one of the, the better people within the game of baseball that that we have in the game. I hope for the sake of him, and this is the part that's tough. I, I don't know why. I don't know why the Dodgers. I know they're 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 trying to find some bat help to get within their team. Max Muncie, I know, has not performed near what they had hoped. Uh, 
Same with Bellinger at this point in the year. Um, there have been even points where like Mookie Betts has gone just like super cold this year. But um, for the for the sake of him, I, I really do hope Joey Gallo just goes out and just performs the lights out. Yeah, <clears throat> I cannot believe what the Yankees got for Joey Gallo. I thought for sure they'd be lucky to at least get a, like a, a bucket of balls or something for him. <laughs> um, the guy is just, I mean, look, he's seven strikeouts away from 1,000 in his career. I looked at his minor league stats the other night, 700 strikeouts in 300 games. The guy strikes out so much. It's like amazing what scouts saw in that guy. Like, yeah, he has power, but when does he connect? Not very often. I mean, he's also a plus defender. I mean, he's a two-time Gold Glove winner, two-time All-Star as well. I mean, it really, like I said, I, I hopefully this is a change of scenery he needs. I, I don't know if L.A. is the exact answer. I, I Personally speaking, I would have preferred him to have gone to a smaller market. I know I bring up Cincinnati, but it's the perfect example where, where Sonny Gray went back to a smaller market and showed out, and now his career is, is more or less back on track to what it was pre-Yankees with Oakland. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, as soon as he went to L.A., I was like, oh, that's not a good fit for him. Like, a few games in, like, he struck out twice yesterday, but he got a hit, so it was kind of, like, ignored. But if he continues to go on and just go 0 for 4 with a couple strikeouts, Dodgers fans are the same way as Yankee fans. They're eventually just going to start booing him, and it's going to feel like he's in New York again. Yeah. All right, and now we'll move on to the uh, what I call the most puzzling trade, at least for sure for the Yankees at the deadline. Outfielder Harrison Bader was acquired from the St. Louis Cardinals in exchange for left-handed pitcher Jordan Montgomery. Like you said, probably wasn't going to make a big impact, at least rotation-wise, in the postseason. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, a big, I'm, I'm a big Gumby guy. I, I think we've been able to pick that up through the podcast at this point. Um, kind of gave me, like I said, Andy Pettit light vibes. Um, but to get to the postseason, you have to get there first. Um, this was a, a big guy at the bottom of our rotation that – uh, did he get you lengthwise that you wanted every every start? Probably not. But that being said, he got you quality starts every start for the most part. I I just I don't know. I think I I understand in essence why you're getting Bader. Um, at least the concept of it. You're improving defense. That being said, he's not going to be back until September. I just I I'm not too sure what the exact thinking was here. That being said. Uh, this is where I do want to bring Domingo Herman back into the conversation a little bit. Um, you brought up he finally did have a good start. And I, this is where me and you kind of differ a little bit. I mean, I I, I just, to me, I, I would have tried and have sent Herman back the other way as opposed to Montgomery at this point. Um, I, we still have one lefty in the rotation, obviously, with Cortez. I just, I, I think personally, for me speaking, I, I like having the and we, I like having two lefties in my rotation, personally speaking, I guess, in that sense. I, I don't know, but to me, the quality that you get with Montgomery, I, I think, kind of outweighs what you could get every third or fourth start with Herman at this point. Yeah, so I pretty much really just think that the Yankees were literally not thinking about the future anymore. Yeah. They're just literally planning for this October. And if you were to plan out the rotation for an October series, you're obviously going to go Garrett Cole 1, probably Severino 2, or Montez. Well, so I think I think now it's Montas. Montas gets the the two spot now. Yeah, you could go either one. So there's three, and then who's going to be next? Nestor. Yeah. Then what are you going to do with Montgomery? There's no five guys in a postseason rotation. No. no. Yeah, I mean, you it's barely it's barely three now anyway. So you could move them to the pen, but the problem is they just acquired these relievers to go in the pen. So where are you going to find room? for Well, them? the issue with that is they were both righties. <clears throat> Yeah, but you already got lefties out there, so it's like not mean. And Jordan Montgomery has started or has appeared in just one relief appearance ever in his career. True, true. So I think my thing with that though is the the lefties we have in the bullpen. I don't mean to dunk on them because I'm like we we've been over this I don't know how many different times now at this point, but the only one I trust at this point really is Wandy, and even then, like you leave him out there for anything north of three batters, it gets sketchy quick. I don't trust Ludke anymore. Um, I know his ERA is actually gone down technically but like I just I don't I don't trust him anymore um yeah I just don't think they so felt I, comfortable I, I don't know and, and I mean even then you ever left you out there as Chapman and even then I mean his role is just such a pretty much niche role at this point that that's all he's he's pretty much he's pretty much pegging himself as a square block into a circle hole and let's talk about this quick I really truly believe they had a deal lined up with the Marlins at the last minute yeah yeah and they backed out of it or something happened 
I, I think it's came out in the past day or so that the Yankees have a deal lined up for Pablo Lopez, but it didn't involve the labor. It actually involved the Hicksie, which would have been interesting. The New York Post said the Marlins did ask about Glaber, but I don't know like how close I, they so, were. So here's the thing about that. I don't want to get into too much hypothetical at this point, only because it, it, there's really no sense in it. I will pull the trigger if that was the case then. I will have been more than no, happy okay sending Glaber for, for Pablo Lopez, I think. Yeah, and adding Montez and Lopez to your rotation. Yeah. I think that I think that's a very good substitute for missing out on Castillo. At that that's point. why I wish, like, I don't think he'll ever do it, but I wish Cashman would kind of come out and, like, let us know, like, was the deal really that close? Yeah, but you won't get that anyway from any GM, only because at that point it shows their hand for what they might do later on down the road. It's just right now he's, like, probably, like, listening to, like, all the outsiders. Like That, that being said, obviously, though, uh, the Marlins are just loaded with Yankee front staff former front staff people. So um, that – and Lopez will have, I believe it's still two years of control left into the off season, So Because if that deal goes through, right now we're sitting here literally saying how good the Yankees had, like uh, how good the Yankees trade deadline was. Right. And I, that's why I'm just really curious. Did it, was it very close? Or, yeah. I don't know. I don't think we'll ever find out. So one other note before we move on, uh, catcher Ben Rotvet was uh, – Activated from the injured list and option to triple A Scranton Wilkesbury, so I'm still not sure if he exists. <laughs> for the Yankees coming up this weekend, three games in St. Louis. St. Louis, the Cardinals are tied for first in the NL Central at 57 and 48 Friday through sun- Sunday series. Tonight, 8:15 first pitch on Amazon Prime Video, the official home of Kyle Evans viewing experience. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Nestor Cortez, nine and three. A 2-5-3 ERA against Dakota Hudson, 6-6, six six, a 4-10 ERA. Tomorrow night, Saturday, 7-15, first pitch on Fox. Domingo Herman, 1-1, one one, a 6-3-9 ERA against, ain't it funny how it works out sometimes, Jordan Montgomery, 3-3, three three, a 3-6-9 ERA. And then 2-15 on Sunday, first pitch on yes. Frankie Montas will get his first start with the Yankee, a 4-9, 3-1-8 ERA against Adam Wainwright, 8-8, eight eight, a 3-1-1 ERA. This is a big series for the Yankees. I, I don't think many people kind of realize how big this could potentially be. I'm going to go two out of three for the Yankees. They get the series win, and the game that they lose is going to be on Saturday. I think Montgomery's going to have a revenge game because that's just the way these things tend to work out sometimes. <laughs> See, I'm the other way around. I do not like that matchup for Montgomery, all those righties. Well, yeah, Especially the top of the order. Yeah. Um. I don't know what I think of the series. I Herman starting Saturday, yikes. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say only one out of three, honestly. Well, it could go either way. Mm. Yeah, I certainly agree with you there. All right, let's move on to the Mets. Um, big big week in disguise for the Mets so far. Monday, a seven to three win. Over Washington, Max Scherzer picked up the win, 7-2, and two, a 2-1-3 area for him. Patrick Corbin, the loss, moves to a very incredible 4-15 and 15 with a 6-5-7 ERA. How is that even possible? I don't know. I By the way, so on the topic of Washington, I do want to spend a quick minute on this. The Juan Soto mega deal. Absolutely incredible stuff. The way it all played out. Um up until, I guess, really Monday, I had the feeling that Patrick Corbin would have to be involved in the deal somehow. Um, it ended up just being not the case. Josh Bell goes to the Padres with Juan Soto. The Padres, in return, send a ton of prospects. Um, Luke Voigt, uh, Eric Hosmer was supposed to be part of the deal. He ends up in Boston because of his no-trade clause. Um, I just want to point out, though, not to toot my own horn, I did say that the Padres were the front runners. I will give you credit all along. Thank you. Thank you. Nate. You know I you know I did have that plan this morning to um find maybe dig up that clip and play it today. Yeah. But it uh, my memory escaped me this morning and didn't right. have that because you did no, you did definitely say the Padres are the front runner. And you said that weeks ago too. Yeah. Thank you. Probably in the beginning times of when we started talking about Juan Soto being available. Thank you. Yes. Well you were busy this morning, Nate. Kudos kudos to you. You handled a, a so, so obviously, I don't know if people really know us, and this might be a little bit off topic, but we're, we're building a new studio here at FL1. Nate uh, handled a, a bigger mission this morning for us involving our new cameras and stuff over there. So. Still an ongoing mission. 
Oh, that's not you didn't you didn't allude to that part to me earlier. This is breaking news on the podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, just a big deal. Uh, this is going to be incredible. I know that this is big for for not just the Padres, but the San Diego community as a whole. I know. Um, look, they're the only show in town now, at least at the upper echelons of pro level. I mean, I know they have an AHL team uh, for hockey. Uh, but and, and yeah, don't disrespect the goals like that. Please. I'm not. I don't. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I also didn't, didn't mean to disrespect the, the SDSU Aztecs or the San Diego. I, I can't remember what they are. But um, look, I, uh, this is big for them. And obviously, I I know in the past day or so they've they've announced that they will be capping season ticket sales for next season when they get to a certain threshold. Yeah. Um, the move, like you said, was interesting. I was following along with it on Twitter. Um, Hosmer saying no, you can't blame him. No, you really no. can't. And I think he's probably happy to at least be in Boston. Right. Um, I mean, it could be worse. Yeah, it could be like Luke Voigt, who probably wants to fight Eric Hosmer right now. Yeah. Luke Voigt just inadvertently got collateral damaged into this deal. <laughs> what a rough career he's actually had. Like, he thought he was a Yankee. He was doing so well. He gets hurt yeah. and never kind of really gets his position. And he was having a quietly decent year in San Diego. Obviously not near what he was doing with New York when he kind of first got there. But quietly good enough that, like, he really probably next year was in line for that first base job. Yep, and now he's stuck with the Washington Nationals, yeah. who – who gave him? Who gave him? Did you see what number they gave him? Uh, no. Okay, Nate, did you? Nope. Thirty-four. In I'm old enough game. to remember when the Yankees had Greg Bird and Luke Voigt at first base. Well, <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when they had Lyle Overbay out there for a year or so, <laughs> and Tony Clark. But that's even further back in the time machine. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to the Mets in, in that series. Uh, seven to three, obviously victory Monday. Pete Alonso. Uh, just continuing the hot pace that he's had out of the All-Star break. Two for three, home run double, two walks, RBI, two runs scored. Brandon Nimmo continues this really great year. Four for five, a double and a run scored. And Jeff McNeil, two for three, an RBI and a run scored. Tuesday, a 5-1 national victory. Victor Arano picks up the win there. Steve Nogasek picks up the loss. Has some subsequently been optioned right away. Uh, DeGrom got the start, no decision. Five hits, or five innings pitch, rather, three hits and a run, six strikeouts. Francisco Lindor, the vein, the vein of uh, Nate Sharman's existence, one for three, a solo home run and a walk for him. Tyler Maquin, two for four, uh, obviously a big deal bringing him over uh, before the deadline was done there for the Mets. But Jacob DeGrom, all things considered, looked really powerful, looked really good. Classic DeGrom out of the gate right away pretty much. Yep, and the same issue occurred that I kind of mentioned a few weeks ago. The guy doesn't get run support. I don't get it. He pitches so well, and it's like the Mets just decide, oh, we're not going to score. Kind of like the Montgomery stuff, but I think it's worse if you go back to um, when he was healthy. Like, look at all his lines. He's look at the so Cy well. Young year a few years ago, 10 and 11. Like, <laughs> it's like it's crazy how that happens. Like, yeah. you waste his performances. It's, it's I would be so frustrated. Yeah, I, he, um, it's going to be interesting moving forward with him because indications still point to him, to him opting out at the end of the year, so. And it's even more crazy. It was the Nationals, and they couldn't put up runs on them. Yeah. So, weird, weird game. It's one of those games that kind of like uh, with the Yankees, too. It's just like, oh, they made these moves. Hammer the other way. <laughs> kind of like this, the way the Nationals, right? Trade away Soto. Hammer them. <laughs> That's the way they played that night. Yeah. I was kind of thinking they looked pissed, the Nationals, and they yeah. just came out and beat the Mets. Uh, also, on, on was it Tuesday? Was it officially Tuesday or was it Wednesday night? I forget. That we had Joey hits bombs, Manessis hit the home run. Okay, might have been no, it couldn't have been Monday. Had have been Tuesday. I think oh, it was Tuesday. for oh for the Mets, yeah. He yep, he his first game, yeah, Tuesday night. Yeah, he was Rochester, Rochester goat, Joey Manessis. Yep, we'll touch on him. Ten years in the minors. That's yeah. pretty cool story. I'm sorry to yeah. preview that, but we'll we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Wednesday, a 9-5 Met victory. Chris Bassett picked up the win. 8-7, a 3-6-1 ERA for him now on the year. Anibal Sanchez picks up the loss. 0-4, a 7-6-5 ERA. Bassett wins seven innings, gave up six hits, four strikeouts. Daniel Vogelbach, big old grand slam for the big old boy. Also picked up an R hit going 2-5. Jeff McNeil, 3-5. Three, three doubles and a run scored. Absolutely incredible stuff from Jeff McNeil. Um, and then yesterday, kicked off a big five-game set against the Atlanta Braves at 
City Field. The Mets come away victorious last night, six to four. Cookie Carrasco looked really awesome. Twelve and four now on the year, picked up the win at three eight two ERA. Kyle Wright the loss, thirteen and five and three to two ERA for him. Then Sugar Diaz the six out save, twenty fourth on the year. Carrasco six innings pitched, four hits, three earned, and six strikeouts. Tyler Naquin two solo shots, two for four. Comes the first Met in history to have his debut home game and hit two home runs in it. Pete Alonzo went two for four, collected three RBIs, and a run scored. So, great stuff for the Mets to get going this week so far, obviously. Uh, and it only got better for them as the week kind of went on, really. Yeah, and my takeaway this year with the Mets, if you want to beat the Mets, make sure you have a lead before the ninth. Yeah. Because, my God, is that guy, like, just unhittable at times. He's Sugar Diaz, I guess maybe more his specifically his walk-up song has become a TikTok sensation. I don't know. If you guys have noticed it, but it's hilarious because it's um, kind of taken over. I've seen a couple of like those jump scare memes uh, in TikTok videos where it's like oh, you're minding your own business and all of a sudden you just hear the horns start going. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. So that's pretty neat. Um, so news and notes to get to before the trade portions of this. Ryan pitcher Trevor May was activated off the injured list, as was catcher James McCann. Catcher Patrick Mazika was optioned to AAA uh, Syracuse. Right, or first baseman, rather, Dom Smith was uh, assigned to Syracuse for his rehab assignment to begin. Craver Robertson, second baseman, was recalled from AAA Syracuse and has since been designated for assignment. Left-hand pitcher Sam Clay was optioned to AAA Syracuse. I already mentioned about DeGrom and that move. Right-hand pitcher Yoan Lopez was optioned to Syracuse. And I already mentioned about Steven Nogasek being optioned back to Syracuse. The Mets trade deadline uh, ended up not being uh, so much big fish hunting as, a, I guess, more kind of securing some depth spots uh, along the way. Um, the first deal they made was for first baseman Darren Ruff, Philadelphia Philly legend, making some noise out in San Fran the past few seasons. Uh, he was acquired from the Giants for third baseman J.D. Davis, uh, left-handed pitchers Thomas Sapucky and Nick Swack, and right-hand pitcher Carson Seymour. Uh, really, I guess J.D. Davis and Sapucky were kind of the two bigger names going back in this year. Obviously, Davis um, kind of was probably on the outside looking in more or less, uh, especially moving forward. Uh, he's from out west, goes back home a little bit. Ari has made an impact for the Giants. Uh, Sapucky, um, we've we've mentioned him a couple different times throughout the year. Kind of, uh, I wouldn't say blew his chances many times over at the Mets, but um, his time within the organization had come. Uh, Darren Ruff. Kind of secures potentially this other half of a Vogelbach situation uh, where he can, Darren Ruff can face the left-handed uh, pitching uh, when they're out uh, for the Mets. Yeah, I get why they acquired him. I just was surprised at what the Mets did at the straight deadline. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're having a year that they haven't had in years, and I thought for sure they would definitely go out and add, like, another big bat, right. um, address the bullpen. Like, I know they got givens, but it's like – is that your best option out there? Um, I don't know. I just thought they would kind of make bigger moves. I think the price – I think Robertson who they wanted, and I think the price ended up being a bit too high. I thought Philly might have reached a little bit on him. Philly's made a lot of interesting moves. I mean, obviously that's a completely different discussion, but, like, they gave up Mike, Mickey Montak for, for Brandon Marsh, which was just strange to me. Anyway, um, you obviously mentioned the other deal, which was right-hand pitcher Michael Gibbons. Acquired from the Chicago Cubs for right-hand pitching uh, farmhand Sal Gonzalez. Uh, Michael Gibbons, Yankee fans might remember him with Baltimore. Uh, spent the past few years kind of wandering the abyss of the MLB, as I call it, uh, after being sold off. Um, spent some time with Cincinnati and Colorado the past couple of seasons. Ended up in Chicago this year kind of to, I guess, really kind of figure himself back out a little bit. It kind of paid dividends, sub-3 RAs, done really well for him, few holds, a couple saves. Um, should be quite the interesting arm. I know, obviously, like you mentioned, probably not what you wanted to, but a very plus arm to at least have out in that bullpen to kind of go along with, uh, obviously, Sugar D has to close, but kind of help out Trevor Main and Amato Vino a little bit in those late-game situations. Yeah, and then in his first game, uh, Givens struggled. I mean, yeah, it's his first appearance with the Mets, but I was just like, wow, like way to start your Mets career. <laughs> <laughs> I do agree with you, though. I figured the Mets would have gone big fish hunting like the Yankees did. 
That being said, I think they did. I found it interesting that obviously the Cubs didn't move Wilson Contreras or Ian Happ. What that tells me is the price probably got too high, especially after the Soto deal happened. And they're probably I, following the Yankees' footsteps. Yeah, they don't want to risk the future. Exactly. Um, that being said, this offseason is going to be interesting. The free agent class this offseason, you're going to have some really good players. I, I don't mean to kind of phrase it like that, but, like, um, it's not going to be, I guess, as headline-heavy as really last year in that sense. I think Xander Bogars is kind of like the main headliner at this point with this free agent class coming up outside of, I guess, Aaron Judge in that sense. Um, that being said, I, I do agree. They didn't mortgage anything of the future off, really. I mean, really the main – prospect name in this that in the two deals that they made at deadline day were, was Thomas Sapucky and I mentioned right he, he, they gave him plenty of opportunities and he just never really capitalized on him or, or did anything to say hey leave me up with the big league club that you're just like all right well that's fine we'll just move on from you and at least get something back in return that we know can probably make an impact for us down the line in, in September and October yeah, and obviously JD Martinez was the big talk with the Mets um clearly his asking price was way too high um, can't really be surprised about that. I mean, the guy's really, really good. It would have been a perfect bat to add to the lineup. Um, I don't know. I just – the trade deadline is for teams to make improvements to make runs in the postseason, mm -hmm. and I don't really know if the Mets did a whole lot to improve their team. I mean, we talk about their offense sometimes. It's like they need another bat in the lineup, and they just – Darren Ruff is, in my opinion, not really a, a splash. No. No, not not in that sense. I do agree with you there, but I think it's certainly an improvement. Um, you know, do did they make the splashes? I think that we all hope, even Mets fans and, and people across baseball hope. Probably not, but I think they recognize what they got coming up here and within the next year or so, and they don't want to risk losing that. I I can't blame them there. I I just can't blame them there. And I know we're all going to expect, like, the pitching is going to be outstanding. And I think the reason why, if the Mets were to lose a postseason series, is their offense. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I, I will say this with the offense. They have come on, and they've been really great in the 10 days after the All-Star break so far, um, for the most part. Obviously, baseball happens, and there are a couple of games, you know, like that Tuesday game, that loss, where we couldn't get anything going. But that being said, I mean, Pete Alonso is – unlike the past couple all-star breaks where he's been the home run derby, he's come out and has swung the back super well. He's like at, what, 87 RBI? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So um, I don't know if I necessarily have a big issue with them holding their cards the way they did. I think he got the 90, uh, Kyle, with those three last night. Yeah. Oh, really? I'm yep. pretty wow. sure. I don't have when a, Vogelbach went back-to-back, -back, it was cool. But, like, I don't have a problem with them holding their cards the way they did. I do agree. I'd rather have seen them improve deeper than Darren Ruff and Michael Givens. I think more on the Darren Ruff side than the Givens side. But that being said, I, I still view it as a plus deadline for the Mets. They definitely didn't take a step back. No. That's for sure. No. All right, let's take a look at obviously mentioned big series here this weekend for the Mets. I already have it going five games in four days against the Atlanta Braves at City Field. Took one last night. Braves currently second place the Annalise at sixty three and forty three, four and a half back. Rest of the four games happen today, Friday through Sunday. Tonight, a 7-10 first pitch on SNY. Ian Anderson goes for the Braves, 9-6, a 499 ERA against Taiwan Walker, 9-2, a 279 ERA. Tomorrow, 110 first pitch on SNY and a 7-10 first pitch for game two on your local picks affiliate. Both games to be announced. That being said, I would imagine David Peterson gets called up and gets one of the games for the Mets. And the other one, I would assume, has to be Max Scherzer. Uh, for the Braves, I'm guessing one of the games is going to be Max Freed. And I'm guessing the other game, I, I don't want to assume, but I'm guessing they'll, they'll probably just call somebody up from Gwinnett to get the other start at that point. That being said, neither one of them have either pitchers announced for, for either game so far there. Sunday, uh, 410 first pitch, really strange, but that one's on SNY. Spencer Schrider gets a start for the Braves, 6-3, and three, a 279 ERA against Jacob DeGrom looking for his first decision on the year, first win on the year, a 180 ERA. So, like I said, big series for the Mets. At this point, though, you can just play 500 ball through the weekend and you 
we're able to at least get another game up on the Braves. That's got to be a really good feeling to have in all honesty. That being said, I do think out of the next four games, they get three of them. I think collectively they take this series four to one. Yeah, I can see it. I don't think the doubleheader is going to go well for the Braves tomorrow. Um, I agree I, there. I see a sweep probably tomorrow. For the- I think I think it depends the pitch, which pitching matchups end up where. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll probably agree with you. Four or five. It's just tough. I mentioned how tough it is to do a four-game sweep. I the Yankees are the only team that come to mind that have done a five-game sweep with that Boston massacre a few years ago. And I was actually surprised by this stat last night. Um, mm-hmm. The Mets are five and three against the Braves this year. I thought it was worse. I thought the I thought the Mets had a better record than that. So clearly the separation right now is not well, because of the head-to-head. And this will be something we talk more about on Monday. This is a big stretch for the Mets. 18 days, 16 games against the Braves and the Phillies. What's interesting about that 5-3 and three record is they both scored 30 runs. I saw that stat this morning when I was wow. having my morning coffee. Yeah. yeah, so the separation's not the head-to-head mm-hmm. yet, but obviously there's still four games to go. So Where'd you get the coffee from this morning, Nate? Uh, Keurig. Ooh. I've seen... For those that for those at home, Nate's a big McCafe guy, <laughs> and uh, let's just say, Nate, how many cups did you have in your car the one time? Oh, I don't know <laughs> if I want to say it out loud. <laughs> we just caught Nate and eight K. Well, all right, let's uh, before we head out here, we do have to talk about our Rochester Red Wings and Syracuse Mets a little bit. Um, rough weeks out of the gate for them. Um, mentioned obviously AAA rosters kind of always in flux a little bit. Certainly the case at the trade deadline. Um, Washington uh, with Rochester, certainly the case there. We'll talk about the games here first, though. Tuesday, Columbus 2, Rochester 0. Savion Curry, the win. Kate Cavalli, the loss. And Justin Garza, the save. Cavalli, no decision. Four innings pitch, five hits, two earned, a walk, and four Ks. Again, good start for Cavalli. Didn't go as long as he had hoped. That being said, I mean, he, he, did, he did beyond what he needed to do once again for him. Riley Adams picked up a double. Same with David Dahl. So, um, rough out of the gate there. Wednesday night, a 3-2 loss in the 10th inning for Rochester in Columbus. Andrew Mazzizzi, oh, good grief. I don't know how to pronounce that name after looking at it again. Mazzizzi, there's try. no way that's right. I don't even want to try. 2-0 for, for Columbus. Mason Thompson picked up the loss for Rochester. David Ponce de Leon picked, uh, started his first game for Rochester. Nate's laughing at me as I struggle. No decision, five innings, three hits, two earned runs, um, a walk and seven strikeouts in, in that game for him. Jake Knoll, two for five in an RBI, and John Nogowski, two for four. Touch more on him in a second. Nate, do you know the name John Nogowski at all? Uh, no. He's Mike Wazowski? He's the pirate legend last year that literally tried to fight the whole entire Mets team. Oh, right. Okay, now that you say that, it, yeah. it rings a bell. <laughs> he wore number 69 on purpose. <laughs> I don't think he's wearing that with Rogers. I think he's like number 22 or something. Yeah, it's not allowed in the ROC. Uh, and then last yesterday, a day game, 6-5 Red Wing loss. Logan Allen picked up the win. Sterling Sharp the loss, and Jake Jewell to save for Columbus. Jake Knoll staying hot at least. Three for five, two doubles, an RBI, and two runs scored. Riley Ems, two for five, a double, and four RBIs. Cole Freeman, uh, really good game for him as well. Three for four, a, a walk, and two runs scored. Joey Manessis and Edomaro, uh, I'd, I'm struggling today. Aldemaro Vargas were selected by Washington. Outfielder Josh Palacios was recalled by them. Uh, this is all roster stuff to get it done. However, big name is coming to Rochester, though, uh, courtesy of the San Diego trade. Sorts up C.J. Abrams has been optioned by Washington in the deal, so he'll be joining. Uh, he has joined Washington or the Red Wings already in Columbus, but uh, will be making his Rochester debut at home next week. First baseman John Nagowski, I already mentioned, that was assigned to Rochester from Double A Harrisburg. Right-hand pitcher Reed Garrett optioned to Rochester from Washington. And right-handed pitcher Tyler Clippard uh, is with the Red Wings right now on a rehab assignment in Washington. For the Syracuse Mets, uh, they are currently also on the road against Lehigh Valley. Have lost three straight there to get the week going. A 13-6 loss on Tuesday. Uh, extreme baseball name Bubby Rossman picked up the win for the Iron Pigs on Tuesday, Mike Montgomery, the loss for Syracuse. Kasuki Kato, three for five, a double and three RBIs. Daniel Palka went two for five with an RBI on a run scored. And then Nick Plummer, who set himself quite the series, you'll hear his name again in a couple minutes. 
one for three with two walks and RBI and runs scored. Sixth and one loss on Wednesday. Michael Plassmeyer picked up the win for Lehigh Valley. Trevor Cahill, first loss on the year for him. For Syracuse, Travis Blankenhorn, two for th- or one for three, rather, with a double. Francisco Alvarez, went, uh, one for four with a solo home run. Absolutely obliterated that thing into the Lehigh Valley night. Nick Ninny, one for four as well. And then a tough one yesterday, walk-off victory for the Iron Pigs in the 10th inning over Syracuse, a 7-6 to six victory for them. Nick Duran picked up the win. Philip Thiel picked up the loss. Top performers, Nate Fisher got the start. No decision, four innings, three hits, two earned, um, three walks in a strikeout. Michael Perez, the pride of Pittsburgh, one for three with a solo home run and a walk. And then Nick Plummer, three for four with a double and three RBIs and a run scored. So um, not what I, either team is really hoping for. Obviously, Rochester is just in the middle of quite the skid right now. Um, that being said, I mean, all these games for the most part have been close now the past week or so for both these teams. Someone just needs a break right for them. Yeah, especially for Rochester yeah. losing 14 straight. I can't imagine, you know, being a player in the clubhouse and kind of dealing with that. Like, nobody wants to lose games. And especially after, I mean, they were right up there with at the top of the standings. And suddenly you look and they're almost headed to where Syracuse has been all year. Only two-game cushion between the two, seventh and ninth in the Isle standings. Uh, for the Syracuse Mets, uh, catcher Nick Dinney and left-hand pitcher Mike Montgomery both activated off the IL. Mentioned them a couple of times over anyway. Eric Orsi, right-handed pitcher, was placed back on the seven-day injured list, retroactive to August 1st. And Josh Walker uh, continues to climb back up the ladder to get back to Syracuse on rehab assignment. Uh, went from the Complex League Mets to the single-A St. Lucie affiliate on his rehab assignment. Syracuse also returns. Uh, returns home next week uh, as they finish out the weekend on the road in Lehigh Valley. So uh, a lot of baseball to get to, a lot of baseball still to come. That might have been our longest episode we've done yet on Concrete Jungle. That's all I know. <laughs> Unexpected kind of with the trade deadline right. and all that news. 100%. All right. Any fun plans for the weekend, guys, for you guys, or no, laying low? No fun plans. Um, golf, golf, and more golf for me over here. Tis the season. <laughs> I know you're repping, repping the Silver Creek hard over there, so got you, dog. Um, yeah, quiet weekend. Glory strike action tomorrow night, baseball on Sunday. So, Can't that beat being it. said, well, it, it gets tiring after a while, though, with some of the driving. But uh, that takes care of Concrete Jungle for today. Uh, always catch us live here on YouTube. If not, you can catch up anytime there um, or on Spotify. You can watch and listen there. Anchor, all their major podcasting platforms as well at this point. Uh, next week's schedule, Monday stays the same. Friday next week as well before we head back to our usual stuff on Monday, Thursday. So for Collins, Nate Sharman, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Catch everybody on Monday. Have a fantastic weekend. Watch some baseball. Enjoy. Have fun. We'll see you Monday.